Thank you to Contentful for supporting our podcast. I'm Marcelo Lewin, and this is the Contentful Creators Podcast, Season 1, Episode 23. So let's get to it. Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 23 of the Contentful Creators Podcast, where I have conversations with content architects, designers, developers, and other creators who use the Contentful content platform and related technologies to create web experiences. I'm your host, Marcelo Lewin, a Senior Content Solutions Architect and a Certified Contentful Professional. Today, I'll be chatting all about TypeScript, how it differs from JavaScript, and how you can get started today coding it with my guest, Jeffrey Parrish, a web applications developer who's been creating web apps in JavaScript, Node.js, and TypeScript since 2006. But before we get started, if you want more podcast episodes, tutorials, webinars, and blog articles, all focus on creating web experiences using Contentful and related technologies, please visit www.contentfulcreators.com. All right, Jeffrey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you for joining us. I know to a lot of people, TypeScript is a complete mystery. And as we'll find out, it's probably something they may already know about. But before we get started, why don't you tell us about your background? Tell us how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I'm very grateful that in my late teenage years, I was approached by a developer who wanted to apprentice a new person to help him with some of his projects. I had always grown up with an interest in computers, and I was very grateful when he took me under his wing and at the time taught me PHP, which led me into other technologies, including JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and a bunch of web languages that eventually led me going down the Node.js and TypeScript path that my career has led me to today, which has been something that served me very well in my career. I've worked at a number of different jobs on a number of different venues from startups in Boston to tiny little companies in rural New Hampshire to everything in between from kind of the code factories that just kind of pump out quick, cheap websites to I've just worked at so many different kinds of places. I'm grateful for the breadth of experience that I've had in my in my 14 year career developing web applications. Would you consider yourself a front end or back end developer or full stack? I definitely consider myself full stack because I'm grateful for the, the split that has shown up in my career between spending dedicated time on the back end and spending dedicated time on the front end. I do pride myself in being the type of person that can take a, a bare metal computer and spool that up into something useful that serves useful information on the web for a number of different types of projects, whether that be my personal server that hosts some Discord bots or big companies serving websites that are mission critical to their business needs. What do you enjoy the most, uh, front end or back end development, if you had to pick one? Uh, right now, I really enjoy front end development because I've seen it progress from the jQuery based kind of spaghetti code front ends that have a bunch of different tools that get some neat things done to these all encompassing frameworks that are, are still developing and still really changing the landscape of what front end development looks like. And people are still kind of grappling with, you know, how these technologies should be used effectively, how they can be used efficiently. And it's very fun to see that evolution over the course of my career. So right now, Frontend is a very interesting place just because of these new data binding frameworks and all that they've done and they're continuing to do to change the conversation on how front ends are developed. And from a front end perspective, are you using React or what other framework are you using? I've used the three big frameworks, I guess. The big three being React, Vue.js, and 
Angular. Oddly enough, Angular, I do see picking up a little bit of steam just because of kind of corporate decision making. It's very attractive to a corporate environment that wants a lot more control over the application. But at the same time, the approachability of React keeps that framework still top of the list in popularity. I'm grateful for that because I really love working in React. Well, there's nothing wrong with Vue.js either. If I had to place them in a hierarchy of personal preference, it would definitely be React Vue and then Angular, but they all have their place and purpose. Well, and the nice thing is that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you can use TypeScript with all of them, correct? That is correct. And we're going to jump right into TypeScript. So let's start out with what is TypeScript? So technically, TypeScript is a superset of JavaScript, which means that it is JavaScript with more things attached to it. And what that means practically is you write a bunch of TypeScript code in a project, and then you use what's called a transpiler, which is a, it's like a compiler but it transmits code from one type to code in another type without going to bytecode or going to machine language. So you write a bunch of TypeScript and then you convert that TypeScript to JavaScript to be run either by Node.js or to be run by a front end by a web browser. So any place where you would use JavaScript, you can actually use TypeScript because in the end you are producing JavaScript from your TypeScript. So TypeScript is really much more like a development environment than it is like a programming language, but it does have markup and it does have additional layers of logic that you add to your projects to make the projects act more consistent. And that's where the strength of TypeScript really lies. So TypeScript is a bunch of added markup to JavaScript that makes the JavaScript behave, act, and feel like a strictly typed language. But at the end of the day, when everything's said and done, you end up with JavaScript, correct? That's correct. You produce JavaScript by transpiling TypeScript into JavaScript using TypeScript's transpiler. Got it. Now, this transpiler, does it transpile on demand or does it transpile every time you save or do you have to build it so it can transpile? How does that work? There's a couple of different ways that it can work to the benefit of the developer. Generally speaking, when you are developing code, especially on, let's say, for instance, a front end, because it's very relevant. On the front end, all of the big frameworks, React, Vue, and Angular have systems that watch your your file system for code changes and will on the fly sort of recompile quickly in a light format so that it can get that code out quickly. It will transpile on the fly. But when you actually want to use the code in a production environment, there is actually a build process where that outputs raw JavaScript code to be used by the browser in a more efficient way than this on-the-fly transpilation does. So the short answer to your question is both. And it depends on how you're using the JavaScript and TypeScript. And it sounds like the dynamic one is really more for the development side and the built one is really when you push stuff to production. Absolutely. Okay. So what are the main differences between TypeScript and JavaScript? I mean, you touched upon TypeScript being a superscript of JavaScript, but why does TypeScript exist? There's a couple of reasons why TypeScript exists. Probably the main reason, and especially the reason if you're coming from a managerial perspective, the big reason for TypeScript is scalability of code. So JavaScript has this problem where if you define a function that takes two arguments, you have no idea what those two arguments are. You have to depend upon whoever is calling your code to understand what your function does and how it should be used. What TypeScript does is it allows you to publish and define very clearly, this is the type of thing that this function accepts and requires, and this is what this function returns. So it makes it so that code is much more readable because it's much more obvious what the code is trying to do. And that also creates strictures and structures and warnings in your text editor while you're using it, in a, especially in VS Code, which is where you see TypeScript used most commonly. It will give you warnings when you're using code incorrectly and even better, from a developer's perspective, 
it gives you IntelliSense to tell you what is available when you're using code. So if you're using an object in TypeScript and you're writing some TypeScript code and you use the dot operator to try to determine what properties an object has, if the project is done in TypeScript, it will tell you what properties are available as you're typing your code, just like it would if you were coding a C-sharp project in a strictly typed language or a Java project. The big benefit, it's you know what you are working with and what the variables are, where with regular JavaScript, often you have no idea because JavaScript being a loosely typed language, any variable could be anything and can be reassigned to anything, which makes it very difficult to know at any one time what a value is. So the huge benefit of TypeScript is just a vast amount of communication over how libraries work, how your code works, and how your code interacts with other pieces of code. And that's a huge benefit of TypeScript. So which IDE would you use that's TypeScript compatible? The big name for TypeScript compatibility right now is, as I mentioned, it's Visual Studio Code, which is that's Microsoft's. That's the main one, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's free, and do you have to install libraries for it, or, or plugins, or whatever they call them, I think? Yeah, there is a TypeScript plugin, but I think Visual Studio Code comes with that out of the box, generally speaking. Now, what's interesting, I just did another interview on an introduction to Dino. And Dino, by default, you write everything in TypeScript. So do you see a trend of frameworks moving away from JavaScript and just forcing you into TypeScript? Yes, I don't see JavaScript going away anytime soon, but I do see a world where TypeScript gets first order support by web browsers, which would, especially in Chromium, if there were TypeScript support in Chromium, that would pretty fundamentally change the way that the JavaScript world works. Right now, that doesn't exist, which means that JavaScript is going to be around for a long time. But even if kind of the web browsers themselves and maybe even Node.js start supporting TypeScript directly, there's still going to be demand for JavaScript just because there is so much JavaScript code in Ether right now that the world depends on. So I don't see a world where TypeScript ever gets forced, but I do see a world where TypeScript gets very, very heavily adopted as the standard for development just because it meets management needs so neatly and it forces documentation that vanilla JavaScript just does not force. On that point, expand why that is important and also expand a little bit on why is typing important in JavaScript. So typing is important just for documentation purposes, largely speaking. And that's really all TypeScript does. TypeScript gives you enforcement of usage rules at compile time, basically at development time, which means that you find a bunch of problems that you wouldn't otherwise find while you're developing the code, not while the code is running. In other words, what TypeScript does is it pushes the problems that developers normally find when they try to run their JavaScript, and it pushes those problems into problems that they find just while they're writing the code, because the IDE itself reports these problems to the developer with how they're using the code before they ever have to actually run a single line of JavaScript. This drastically reduces a developer's amount of time spent developing because the loop between a developer creating a problem and correcting the problem is so much shorter and it's more obvious. TypeScript will give a developer the exact problem and exact reason why what they're doing is problematic before they find it. It also points out areas in the code where they're accepting user input and not checking it. In other words, it makes it obvious when a developer has to either make a huge logical leap about 
about input that they're receiving, be it from a an AJAX request or from a user form input. It forces the developer to confront the assumptions that they're making while they're writing code, and it forces them to consider, okay, how would I protect against potentially bad input? How would I make sure that the input that I receive is what I expect it to be? And this is where TypeScript really benefits the developer. So based on that, can we say that if you do write using TypeScript and then transpile, that you're probably going to have less bugs than if you just do straight out JavaScript? Almost certainly. And it does depend on how you use TypeScript. You can use TypeScript in a way that more resembles JavaScript, but that involves using the any operator, which is not recommended. So it comes from adopting the logic and ethos of TypeScript and trying to write TypeScript in a way that actually uses the types in a way that they're useful. So it's not going to completely protect you from all bugs, and you can use it in such a way that you diminish the benefits of it. But if you adopt the TypeScript model and try to use types to make your code more reliable and more readable, you will absolutely catch 20 or 30 bugs that would have taken you probably twice as long to find just by running your code, for sure. Right, and a perfect example, let's say in JavaScript, is having a variable that you do addition against, but they're strings, right? So obviously, it would still work in JavaScript because it will just concatenate the strings, whereas in TypeScript, it wouldn't work, right? Because you can't do addition to strings. Absolutely. Just because of the way that addition operator works, if it were two strings, it would read that addition as concatenation. But if you're trying to add a number to a string, TypeScript would warn you saying, hey, wait a minute, you probably didn't mean to do this operation here because this value could be a number. And if it's a number, you're not going to get the result that you expect. And it would give you that warning and it wouldn't transpile. It wouldn't yield the JavaScript because it would tell you, hey, you've got problems that you have to go address before I will allow it to transpile. And that would have been a bug that you would have never found because it would have still worked unless you validate data right on the front end. Yep. And a couple of times you might even have gotten the answer that you expected. And it wouldn't be until the fifth or sixth time, maybe after you have that code in production where you would have found that problem, that TypeScript would have found before you even tried to run a line of code. Right, right. Now, I find it funny that they give you the any type because the whole philosophy of TypeScript is that you're typing, right? Why would they even do that? Just wondering if you have an opinion on that. Sure. It's because they have to. I imagine that Microsoft, when they were building TypeScript, that there was a heated debate about this because the any type basically subverts and negates a large part of what makes TypeScript great. So the any type is logically the type that all variables in vanilla JavaScript are, which is... You don't know what it is. It could be anything. And in TypeScript, this unfortunately, if you use this any type, it makes it so that you can immediately resolve with a snap of a finger any type issues that you have, because if you make it in any type, it turns all type checking off for that value, which means necessarily that logically, if you allow that any type in your configuration in TypeScript, you can write TypeScript as if it were vanilla JavaScript, which makes TypeScript work for basically any JavaScript library. So the reason why they did that is obviously to court and make it as easy as possible for existing JavaScript applications to be ported over to TypeScript because it technically can use the any type to cover any sins that might have been in that JavaScript code. So I understand why they did it, but it is very painful as a TypeScript developer to come across a project that uses any in 200 places because that's not really how TypeScript is meant to be written. What a lot of TypeScript developers don't know about is the unknown type, which is a much better type to use for a value that you generally don't know the type. And there's ways to transmute that unknown type into a known type by using what are called type guards, which are basically type checking until you have a better idea of what a value is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
So what are some of the disadvantages of TypeScript? Sure, there are disadvantages of TypeScript. I think TypeScript is wonderful, but of course it comes with some costs. Big disadvantage of TypeScript is it slows down prototyping. So a huge advantage of loosely typed languages is it doesn't sit there and hold your hand and make sure that you are coding things perfectly, which means that if you're sitting down just trying to belt out some quick code, TypeScript might not be your best answer to that. I think that any JavaScript developer who's been developing for a few years occasionally just presses F12 on a tab and just runs some JavaScript in the console just to quickly throw something together to see how something would work or maybe confirm a concept. And TypeScript doesn't really lend itself to that. You can do it in TypeScript, but that's going to kind of force some additional markup that you might not care or want to worry about. You might want to rely on some looser typing or some less strict implementation of a Boolean and what is truthy or falsy. Sometimes you want to play fast and loose. And that's the benefit of prototyping and getting something out quickly and in short order. Oddly enough, that's one of the things that TypeScript is trying to solve is making less of that, especially in code that's supposed to last longer than the short lifespan of a browser tab. So there's that. There's also the fact that there is this added layer of transpiling. You now have to build, whereas with regular JavaScript, you might not have to build depending on your application and how you're using it, especially if you're dealing in Node.js. And there might not be any build process at all if you're using vanilla JavaScript. And now with TypeScript, you have this added transpiling on top of that, which creates a bunch of obfuscated code that's hard to read. And plus, it can be one of the more frustrating parts of TypeScript is trying to slog through the slightly confusing process of configuring it, which even though it is confusing to configure, once you have it configured, generally speaking, it just kind of runs and hums and purrs along without you having to worry about the configuration after you've set it up initially. Why do you have to configure it? I mean, what kind of stuff do you have to configure prior to using it? So one of the most fun configurations is a configuration argument called no implicit any, which is related to what we've been talking about, which actually disallows the any type to be used in any implicit way. In other words, you have to either manually define the any, as in you meant to intentionally say this isn't any, or it actually will throw you warnings and say, no, 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 you're not allowed to do this. I'm assuming that's said by default, I would think. Unfortunately, I think that the default, it allows implicit. <laughs> okay. I know why they did that. It's because when you're using JavaScript these days, typically speaking, you're using NPM, you're using a package manager, and most of the packages that you find on package managers have implicit anys, whether you like it or not. Got it. So that's more of a convenience thing. It's an acknowledgement of the way things are. <laughs> even of if reality. it's not ideal. Yeah. Right. Then that, that's what I like about TypeScript. Like it does acknowledge reality and it, it is fair handed. So the other reason why you have to configure TypeScript is because you need to configure the version of JavaScript that you need to transpile for. So if you're trying to transpile JavaScript that needs to run in a browser, you need a different set of configuration than JavaScript that would run in Node.js. You also need a different configuration in theory at some date in the future for code that might be run by Dino. So there's different profiles for different types of TypeScript that you want to transpile. And that actually makes it so that TypeScript can hit multiple different types of targets because it is transpiling code. It has to actually output to a version of code that can be run by your target browser. That's one of the advantages of TypeScript. You can use modern JavaScript features with code that can be transpiled for less modern JavaScript interpreters. That makes a lot of sense. But that also begs the question of, let's say you're working on a project that has both the front end and the back end, right? And you're doing Node and you're doing React. Do you configure on a page basis when you build the actual page? Do you know what I'm saying? Because how would it know that this page that I'm working on is Node versus this one is React? 
So configuration of a TypeScript project is based on a file called a tsconfig.json. It is a JSON file and there's a number of options. And the fun thing is if you happen to be using Visual Studio Code, it actually IntelliSenses for you what the configuration options are. That doesn't always make it perfectly obvious what the configuration options do, but it is a nice little feature. So that tsconfig determines itself which files it is going to compile. You have the option of having more than one tsconfig in a directory by giving them different names. And when you run TSC, which is the TypeScript compiler, you can specify which tsconfig you want it to use. And you can have as many tsconfigs as you want. Basically, the config itself determines which files get imported. So if you're dealing with a front end, typically speaking, the entire front end should be transpiled down to logically one file. And since that happens, you would create a configuration for your entire front end as a project. And if you had a back end, you would logically want that to be run by Node.js. So you would have another tsconfig in the same directory or in a subdirectory that would be configured to include all of your Node.js files that you wrote in TypeScript to be included for your back end file. So logically speaking, you would be producing two sets of files, one set of files for your back end, one set of files for your front end, if you were working within the same project. And I've actually done that before on, on some of my personal projects where my back end was actually a subdirectory of my front end. So you have two different TS configs and you call each of them when you're trying to compile. And then that's how you can have two different profiles. It's really the TS config is the build file. You're building the TS config and the TS config actually specifies the files to include in its build path. Sure. But when you build it, you define which TS config file to use exactly. uh, in that build. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So how do we even get started with TypeScript? Do you have to install it? Where do you download it from? Is there an install process? The most common way to download and use TypeScript is through NPM, Node Package Manager. And NPM is kind of a common way to start pretty much all JavaScript projects, modern JavaScript projects these days anyway. So the best way to, to get started with TypeScript is if you don't understand or know how to use NPM already, that's where you begin. You start learning how to use NPM, which allows you to download and install either locally or globally a bunch of JavaScript packages that you can either use on the command line or that you can be imported to your custom JavaScript files for your own projects. So you start with NPM and you can use NPM to install both TypeScript and the TypeScript compiler. And then you can begin using those local versions of TypeScript and its compiler in your projects that you create and write your other JavaScript in. Cool. That makes a lot of sense. So let's get into some of the details of TypeScript. And why don't we start with components? What are components in TypeScript? Sure. So a component is logically a file. When you're writing a new TypeScript file, that file has exports. So you can export either one thing, and that's the one thing that you're exporting, or you can export multiple things. You can create a default export that is the only thing that gets imported if you want to import anything from that file to another file. So each file logically has a module, and that module starts out as a blank object, which is a merely a key value pair. You can tack on to that export anything that you want by using the export keyword in TypeScript to export modules. It's really a feature of ECMAScript 6 and ECMAScript 6 export system, but it is incorporated into TypeScript because TypeScript uses the most modern versions of JavaScript. And, you know, we keep mentioning JavaScript, ECMAScript. It sounds like any developer that really wants to get into TypeScript, you really need to understand pretty well JavaScript and ECMAScript before you jump into TypeScript. Would that be a true statement? Uh, it's absolutely a true statement because all TypeScript really is very, very modern ECMAScript with a lot of modern ECMAScript features with some added checking and 
extra syntax to define what things are and what functions return. And that's all TypeScript really is, which is why it's taken over so much by storm. It's really not a far stretch to go from writing JavaScript to writing TypeScript. It's only understanding a couple of basic types and then just being willing to wrestle with the compiler when it gives you warnings and errors that are sometimes not obvious. Right, right. And I'm glad you mentioned types because it's a perfect transition for my next question, which is TypeScript offers built-in types and user-defined types. Can you tell us what those are and then the different kinds of types it offers? So there's obviously the basic primitive types. Think string, number, object, array. So those are kind of the obvious built-in types. You can define your own type, but before I get to that, there's also kind of some mutation types which are very, very interesting. So like, let's say it's very, very common in JavaScript to create an object and that object might have a bunch of keys that are supposed to be flexible. And one of the mutation types in TypeScript is actually called a record. And a record is an object that has any string property on it, but you can then define what those properties should look like. So let's say you've got a user system on a front end and you want to track all of the users in the system and you want to be able to list them out in a table. You can define a record object that uses that user's maybe GUID, globally unique ID, as the key on an object. And then you can specify that all of the values on that object should necessarily match the user structure, which might be a username, password, what have you, ID, all of those things. And that's one of those simple little type checks that makes TypeScript so easy and clear to use because then you have IntelliSense whenever you access any property on that object, you know that all of them are users because TypeScript has ensured that all of your code paths to accessing that object should be that. So the record type is a, is a really interesting built-in type. There's, there's a lot of other kind of built-in mutator types that allow you to like pick and choose pieces of objects and define new types on the fly. But creating your own types is where TypeScript really shines because you get to communicate to the rest of your application something like that user type. You, if you have a user record that has a specific set of properties, you can define that as an interface or a type, and then you can use that as a variable type to ensure that variable has all of the components of that user reliably all throughout your application. I see. And the nice thing is at the end of the day, all of that will be converted to JavaScript anyway, so you don't have to worry about any issues later on. Exactly. And the big benefit of TypeScript is before it gets converted to JavaScript, it does code analysis everywhere throughout your application to make sure that every single time you use your custom types, all of the code adheres to it unless you've used the any type where you really should have. Right, right. And we're going to continue with more details about TypeScript, but something that I just thought about is, obviously, you use TypeScript and it transpiles into JavaScript. Can you go the other way around? So in other words, let's say I'm called into a project that it's 100% JavaScript, then I go, you know what, let's do this in TypeScript. Can we take a project, untranspile it into TypeScript, and then go from there? Is that a possibility? Sure. Generally speaking, yes. There's often some problems and some issues that go along with that, but I've actually done that before in, on a couple of projects. All it really entails at first is taking all of the .js and changing it to .ts. And that can be as simple as it's required to start with. Generally speaking, when you do that, that uncovers a bunch of issues in your code that TypeScript doesn't really like. And then it becomes a process of going through, through and, and fixing all those places in your code. But that is already giving you benefits of creating more structured and more copacetic code because you, just to get code working in TypeScript, you have to go back and say, OK, well, let's make sure that all this code is something that's going to work in TypeScript, something that's going to work in a more strict environment that has decent type checking into it. 
all you have to do to make them TypeScript code logically is to change the file extension from .js to .ts. And that's as easy as it is to start with. It just then becomes an issue of fixing all the compiler errors that are likely to accrue from the fact that you've changed that code. But JavaScript is logically, typically speaking, valid TypeScript. And that's one of the big draws of it. It's not that difficult to transfer a project over. Got it. And to make sure everybody understands the concept is that TypeScript understands everything of JavaScript. It just makes you fix the issues of JavaScript itself, like the typing or the lack of typing, right? But so that yeah, means or misuse I could, of types. Right, or misuse type. But I could do a hello world in pure JavaScript, just name it .ts and it'll work. Yep, absolutely. So let's talk about variables. And I mean, we touched upon built-in types and all that, but how do you create a variable like in TypeScript? Because obviously you have to type the variable now. And I don't mean type as in with your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So generally speaking, nine times out of 10, actually variable definition is no different in TypeScript than it is in JavaScript. There's often the same exact markup. Like let's say you're using a library. Like I, I often use the unique ID library. It's kind of a simple library that I use on a bunch of my projects. It lets me generate GUIDs. It's just really simple and it does that, that really easy for me. It's a very simple function and it's really just one function export. And it's just a function that creates a string. So if I wanted to get a new ID from that unique ID library, I would type const space ID equals unique ID, open, close, paren, semicolon, which is exactly the same in TypeScript as it would be in JavaScript. Now, you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, if it's typed, how does it know what type it is? The majority of the time, TypeScript will intelligently deduce what the type of a variable is based on an, a function's signature. So the unique ID has a signature that tells TypeScript this function exports a string, which means that if you use your mouse to hover over that variable that you created in the way I described, it will tell you, oh, without you telling me or adding any markup, I know what value this variable is. So nine times out of 10, defining a variable is actually the exact same in TypeScript as it is in JavaScript, which makes it very, very easy to use. For that one time out of 10 where you really should define something yourself, it's the same syntax, but between the equal sign and the end of the variable name, you would type a colon character, and then you would give it a type, whether that's a primitive type built into TypeScript or a TypeScript that you've defined yourself. And then once you give a instantiated variable a type, it will hold you accountable as a developer to make sure that what you fill that variable with complies with the type that you specified on that variable definition. Now, either way, whether you strictly defined it or you don't, and it's implicit, right? If you add quotes, it'll say, okay, it's a string. Later on, you can't change the type. Where in JavaScript, you can. That's correct. Especially like the JavaScript community is much more in favor of the const type. So mutating a variable is actually becoming a less frequent thing in general in vanilla JavaScript circles. Normally, you would be allowed to say, okay, well, this type is now a number. And TypeScript will tell you, no, you're not allowed to do that anymore. But would best practice be that you explicitly type in the type? So I'll give you an example. Let's say you use quotes true. It would infer that it's a string, but you had really meant it to be a Boolean, right? And obviously it's now a string. Would best practice dictate that for every variable you strictly type it so you know what you're doing or not really? You might expect that to be the case, but generally speaking, not so because it creates a bunch of unnecessary markup. What's really important in TypeScript is making sure that either the methods that you're using to create a variable are clear enough that the type can be inferred reliably 
or to explicitly define it where only where it really needs to. TypeScript is not about making you write a bunch of unnecessary markup. It's about communicating things that are useful. And so needing to define types on every single variable, it's not really required. Like you don't have to be explicit on every single variable definition. That just creates a bunch of markup that generally speaking isn't required. Got it. So from a best practices perspective, most people won't do that. That's correct. Okay, cool. So you spoke about components. How are modules and classes different? Modules and components are kind of similar as a term they're used interchangeably. Classes are often properties on modules in JavaScript. So a module logically typically represents a file. So a file has one variable that it logically exports, and that is the module. When you define a class that you're exporting from one file in JavaScript or in TypeScript, when you define that class and export it, that class becomes a property on the module. So typically speaking, classes end up belonging to modules and modules are logically files. So if I were defining a class for a person in one file, and then I had a file that I wanted to run that from, I would import that person class into that second file. And then I would create a new person and then do all the interactions that I would want to do with a person in that file, in the file that included that class file. We touched upon modules and classes. How is scope handled across all of those? Or scope in general across TypeScript? Yeah, scope in TypeScript is handled largely the same as JavaScript. I don't think there's any logical difference. There's some neat type cards that TypeScript has that prevent you from clobbering or overwriting variable names from higher scopes just so that your code is much more easy to read. Like, for example, if you were writing a Node.js application and you want to import the open function from the file system library, which is a built-in library in Node.js, if you wanted to include that and then you created a function that has a open argument, depending on how you configure your TypeScript project, TypeScript might tell you, no, you're not allowed to do that because you imported the open keyword in a higher scope and then you're trying to use that same one in a lower scope. Technically, you can do that in JavaScript because scope is always at your most local level. You can overwrite any variable name in a local scope. And even if it has the same name as an existing variable in a larger scope and in the local scope only, that will be overwritten. And that won't affect scopes that are larger than the scope that you're defining the new variable in, which makes defining variables in JavaScript largely like really nice, generally speaking, because you don't have to worry that much about overwriting larger scope variables in local scopes, especially if you're writing smaller granular functions, because those functions will dispose of their scopes themselves. But scope is, is handled very, very granularly in JavaScript. If you're writing functions inside of a scope, it has easy access to all of the properties defined in, this, in the larger scope around it which makes kind of creating methods kind of sometimes feel like sewing, where you're pushing thread through fabric, but you still have access to the thread even when you pull the needle through. Like it creates this really nice interaction where you have access to so much from JavaScript once you understand how the scope works, which is kind of a, it's more art than science sometimes. So what are access modifiers? Access modifiers are like properties and methods, public and private. Funny thing is that classes in JavaScript are largely syntactic sugar, which means that they don't change any functionality. They actually rely on existing functionality. If you look at how they're transpiled, they actually rely on older, simpler methods of defining them in pure JavaScript. 
So an access modifier that makes a class property private, all that really does is make it so that that property is not exported and it's only available to methods of that class, which make it so that you can keep certain information private and only dealt with by the class itself, or you can deliberately expose information as public either by accessing them or by writing them. You can make them public only to be read or you can make them public only to be read and written to. So it makes it so that you can define classes and objects that separate the concerns of what it's trying to communicate outwardly as its API versus what it's trying to use inwardly to represent its own state to itself and keep track of things to itself without needing to expose that information to other pieces of code that are trying to use that class. And normally you can't do this in JavaScript straight out. You need TypeScript to do this with just pure JavaScript functions in and of themselves. You don't even need to define a class at all. You can even use the new operator on a JavaScript function and do this. It's just not obvious and it doesn't feel like a class. So like I said, classes in JavaScript are really just syntactic sugar that make make it obvious what JavaScript is doing to people that are used to using object-oriented programming. Because in and of itself, JavaScript is technically object-oriented, just not in a way that other programmers are comfortable with. And the class structure in TypeScript and ECMAScript 6 really just makes it more obvious what the code is doing. But the funny thing is it transpiles to vanilla JavaScript that is really the way that JavaScript thinks about doing things. Is what makes the transpiler so nice because if you're used to coding in Java or coding in C Sharp or coding in other languages, you can come in and use that class structure, even though it ends up getting transpiled down to what JavaScript kind of more thinks of as how it builds its objects, which is just fundamentally different. It uses a prototyping method that is probably more than we can get into on this interview. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about generics and explain what generics are in general in any language and specifically with TypeScript. So generics are a great tool to deal with edge cases where you don't really know what the type of an object is, but you want to perform operations in a generic enough way that you can do what you need to do to it and be able to deal with any type without specifically using the any type. So a very simple example of this is let's say you want to make a function that created an array where every single item on the array was of type X and you don't know what that type is. So you could write a, there's a specific syntax to using generics that involves the less than greater than sign that you would add to the function that describes a generic type, often T. T in TypeScript is kind of usually the first type used when there's only one generic. So you would define a function with this special type of operator that defines T and it returns an array of type T. The funny thing is the function never knows what T is. It doesn't need to know what T is. But when you go to use the function, you can fill in that type in that space when using that function. So you can create an array of numbers or an array of strings or an array of objects or an array of insert your own customly defined type yourself. And that's a way that you can use generics to get around using the any type in a way that makes it so you can be strictly types, but be loose enough to deal with any new situation that arises. Well, we're almost at the end of the interview here. We're almost out of time, but I just want to ask you a couple of more questions, mainly about the future of TypeScript. Where do you see that going? What would you like to see in, in future versions of TypeScript? So I'm thrilled to watch the Red Monk programming language index and track TypeScript's meteoric rise in popularity from not being on the charts at all to, I think the last I checked, a couple months ago, it was number nine of all programming languages, with JavaScript sitting at number one for the Red Bunk Index of all programming languages. I'm very excited for how far TypeScript has come, and I've been using it for about a year now. And I'm very pleased with the number of roles that I get just because I'm able to put TypeScript on my resume. 
I think that if you program in JavaScript, you need to put TypeScript on your resume because I've been in the job market quite a bit lately. I've actually recently just been hired at a new role that is going to be using TypeScript. And I think I only got the role because I knew TypeScript. So I cannot recommend enough if you are working in the JavaScript sphere, go learn TypeScript. It's actually not that difficult of a learn. And I only see it getting more popular from here because this is a masterclass by Microsoft to the loosely typed world that helps make Microsoft's case, Microsoft's longstanding case, that there's a reason why it's good to have languages that are strictly typed. And Microsoft is proving the value of strictly typed languages by taking something that is traditionally loosely typed and adding a type system to it. All they did here, and it is absolutely taking over the JavaScript world by storm. What would you like to see removed in future versions of TypeScript? The any operator. As much as TypeScript developers are uncomfortable with the any operator, it has its purpose and it has its reason for being. And it's it's necessary to for the TypeScript language to make its pitch to the JavaScript community, which is your vanilla JavaScript is valid TypeScript. So that's a, a very common claim in TypeScript. And that's something that they really try to adhere to. And unfortunately, that makes the any operator necessary because they need to be able to give an implicit any to things that aren't well defined so that it can give existing JavaScript code bases a reason to convert over to TypeScript. Right now, it's it's kind of too young and fresh of a language for me to be able to look at this and say, you know what, I wish this was removed from TypeScript in particular, because pretty much everything that you use in TypeScript is optional, technically. You can make a TypeScript project and use no features of TypeScript if you really wanted to, which means that every single feature of TypeScript is take it or leave it. And that's something that I really enjoy about it. Cool. Well, Jeffrey, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you sharing all your knowledge. I know there's a lot more we could have uh, talked about. A lot of it is really more JavaScript related, but still, thanks for sharing everything with us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. If people want to get a hold of you, do you want to give some sort of email or Twitter profile, whatever you like? I just have a personal website. It's not much, but it just has my portfolio and I try to keep it up every once in a while. I actually recently rewrote it in React up from my custom framework I put together like 10 years ago. It's just jeffreyparish.net, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-P-A-R-R-I-S-H.net. Perfect. And we'll go ahead and put that on our show notes. So Jeffrey, thank you so much. And thanks to the rest of you. I'm glad you're here with us. Just a quick reminder to visit www.contentfulcreators.com for more podcast episodes, tutorials, webinars, and blog articles. So until the next episode, I'm your host, Marcelo Lewin. Cheers, everyone. Oh, 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 o